Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Main. Well, actually, midweek May Point, fellas. Um, today is April the seventh, twenty twenty-one, and um, I'm here. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson. I'm the associate pastor here, Rosa Sharon. Here, as always, with my other fellow pastors, Jeremiah Custers, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and our senior pastor, Pat Reverend Jeff McCarthy. He's with us as well, and so. Um, we're excited to, uh, to do this one. Um, th- we've been building up to this point. If you've been following along with us either on Sunday mornings or in these podcasts, you know that we've been looking at, uh, we, this past Sunday was our final sermon in the sermon series, Fact Checking the Resurrection, in which we're taking Dr. Gary Habermas's six minimal facts argument, adding a seventh to it, and then Looking at these, these are all facts that are uh, uh, accepted by critical scholars as historical. And the point of all this when you look at it is, is if these things are indeed historical, then there has to be an explanation for it. If this actually happened, if an event really happened, then there has to be some sort of explanation as to all these different things that that are, that are claimed historical. These these things again, just to run down them one more time, that Jesus died by crucifixion, was uh, buried in a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, that the disciples had real experiences that they believed were with the risen Jesus, that these experiences transformed them from fearful followers to faithful martyrs, um, that. Uh, uh, all of this was being preached probably within months. Uh, through we know that from the early creeds that that are, that existed, most likely even existed before the conversion of Saul um, of Tarsus. Um, that Jesus is skeptical um, half brother James becomes a uh, is said to have seen the risen Jesus, and as a result. He becomes an early uh, leader in, in or, or, or uh, not early leader, a leader in the early church, and then of course Saul of Tarsus, who hates Christianity, but after having an encounter with the risen Jesus, um, becomes uh, Christianity's biggest champion to the point that he's willing to give his life for it. Uh, and then the seventh is that the tomb was empty. Um, and, and we looked at why we know the tomb is empty. Now, when you take all seven of those things together, and we'll look at this at the end of this at the end of this podcast today, but when you take a look at all seven of those things together, and you say all seven of those things are historical facts, then there has to be some sort of explanation for their existence. And, and, and um, you're gonna be hard pressed to find a better explanation than the risen, than the fact that, that Jesus bodily rose from the dead. So, um, really great sermon series. Um, this past sermon, like I said, was all about the empty tomb. Of course, it's the empty tomb. It was Easter Sunday, right? So, um, and and I, I actually kind of like the way you couched it because um, one of the things that I like what you did in this uh, in, in this message, Jeff, is um, taking a look. Not just at the uh, the the empty tomb, but the um, I'm looking for my notes here, but the 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 words from the there it is, um, the words from Jesus' trial, mm-hmm. um, even even going back to the because what you dealt with there is something that I've always kind of wondered about, and I think me and Jeremiah might have talked about this on one Sunday. Mm-hmm. 
the disciples, okay, we all agree. The disciples didn't, didn't expect Jesus to rise from the dead. Are we in agreement with that? Not, um, they didn't expect an immediate resurrection of Christ, I would say that. Yeah, Maybe that's they about, felt that's like a resurrection, right. like a lot of the uh, Jewish people believed in a resurrection. Eventually, one day, there will be a resurrection uh, that that's found in Scripture. But yeah, for an immediate, like, they didn't really expect him to die, number one. <laughs> they thought right. he was going to set up an earthly kingdom. And then they definitely weren't expecting, okay, he's going to die and come back to life. Even though he said it to him, even though he mentioned it several times, somehow or another, it just didn't, it just didn't register in their minds right. for, some, for some reason. Yeah, and that's the part that I've always, and it, yeah, why, you know, why, did, why doesn't it register in their minds? I mean, Jesus does say it clearly. More than once in, in his talks with them. But I guess... I guess because so many times he used parables and language and all. And so maybe sometimes they would say, is, is he talking metaphorically or is he talking reality? And yeah. so maybe they didn't ask questions. They didn't really delve into it. Because the times that he mentioned it a couple of times, and I think on the James one, uh, James, the guy that got beheaded, was immediately after he said it, they're talking about who wants to be the right or left hand. So yeah, it's almost yeah. like they heard it, but they didn't. it didn't really register to them. It, they didn't really understand it. However, as we looked at the trial and how they used his words in order to convince Pilate uh, that they needed a guard, these people actually took him literally. Yeah, and that, that's the that, that I don't get. That he is saying that he's going to come back to life. And so... So in order to keep the disciples from stealing his body to claim this claim, because obviously they were hearing it too, these people took it literally, um, and but they had to get false witnesses, and we'll probably get into right, that. right, exactly. Uh, so so is so, the yeah. so is the time that the, so okay the 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 you're right the so the the religious leaders of the day after Jesus dies after he's buried they're the ones that go and approach Pilate and say. Hey, this guy said that that he was gonna. I'll just read it. It says, you know, he says, "Sir, we remember that while this deceiver was still alive, he said, after three days I will rise again. Yes. Therefore, give orders that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come, steal him, and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. Then the last deception will be worse than the first. Now, this is supposedly what the the leaders went and said to them." For one, did, I mean, the closest he ever comes to saying that he's going to rise again is exactly the words you talked about, right? Where he's at his trial. When did he tell the leaders that he was going to rise again? Well, they they heard uh, when when he was um, to, in order to get the false testimony. Um, the only people that could come forward were the people that were saying that he said that he was going to destroy the temple, the actual temple proper mm-hmm. and um um so so when that in happened three days I'll that it. happened right after he overturned all the tables and all and they're like what authority do you do this and then that's when this whole discussion comes up about destroy this temple and in then three days i'll rise it again mm-hmm. all right so so he wasn't talking about the temple temple he was talking about his body uh, and i um uh, i think i went through all that in 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 the um, sermon. So 
The problem with the empty tomb one, in order to get to the bottom of what they're trying to get the guard for, you had to go back and trace everything back to see the lies that they're trying to cover up right. in order to get to the truth. And that's kind of why I called it the lies and the truth. Because they were using truth uh, as well as, but they were using it deceptively and things yeah. like that. Yeah. No, so, I, th- I think that's really good. So I, at, at be- that point, you had people that reported what he said mm-hmm. about destroying it. And so, and, and then it was right after that point, they said, then they all came together to, that we have to have him killed. Right. So I didn't really get, have enough time to go into all that in the sermon. But so that's when they started plotting. And then they got with Judas. Then they had the trial. So then they had to come up with a, a, um, a way of him committing blasphemy mm-hmm. in order for, for them to say he needs to, he needs to die. Right. And the only way they could do that is to take his words and mm-hmm. try to twist them out of context. And once they did, um, what got Jesus when they put him under oath and said, are you the Messiah? And he's and like, said, well, you said it. Yes, I am. And you're going to see the Son of Man coming right. in, on the right hand of the Father. And that's when he rips his, his clothes. and his right. clothes. So it's kind of, um, you have to go backwards in order to go forwards. So. No, no, I, I get exactly what you're saying there. And I, and I actually appreciated that about what you did because I probably would have... In, in thinking my way through this, I might have actually left that part out, but I think I was really, I really like the fact that you left that in there. I love it that they said, we remember he said this, but when John talks about the disciples, when they heard it, it's like, they didn't remember, they don't remember it, it until, until after, after, after he's risen. After he's risen, and it's probably the that, guys on the mass that said, yeah, remember, I told you all of you guys this stuff. Yeah. And then they go back and say, yeah, Jesus told us, <laughs> remember when he told us this Right. Uh, Jeremiah, we, you and I have talked about this before because I know you, you really like the Old Testament a lot. And, and Jesus claims, even with the, even with the, um, with uh, the disciples at Emmaus, on, on the road to Emmaus, you know, that the scripture said that these things must happen, that, that the, the Messiah would be killed, that, be, that he would rise again, right? So Jesus claims that the scriptures say that he would rise again, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it, how is it then, if, like, if I'm studying scripture, if I'm, is it possible that, I guess, the religious leaders would have, would have seen that too? Would they have, would they have understood and known that? Or... Or are they just basically just having to go off of this one thing that he said about the temple? No, I mean, they should have. And I think that's why Jesus at the trial quotes uh, Daniel, I think it's Daniel 9. There's a pretty specific reference to the resurrection of the Messiah mm. in Daniel 9. Uh, talking about the Son of Man and that... Uh, and it actually talks about the, that's the first place where it talks about the Lamb's Book of Life at the end and uh, a lot of kind of cool things that you see in Revelation too. But, mm-hmm. but uh, or Revelation also, not Revelation chapter 2. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, they, if, if I'm being honest, I wouldn't have seen it either because I feel like the references to Christ's resurrection in the Old Testament were vague and you can't really tell if they're being literal or figurative. Um, so like Jesus, you know, when he makes his claim that, that Jonah, uh, the sign of Jonah and the three days in the belly was, was a, a picture of, of his resurrection. I would have never seen that. And in fact, it's still hard to see it, even though Jesus straight up told me (laughs) I'm supposed to see it. I'm supposed to see it that way. Right. Um, so to, to be, uh, charitable to them. I don't know if I would have seen it because of the vague references in the Old Testament, but there are 
what looks like three instances in the Gospels where Jesus' own mouth says it, and one of them is ref- is in reference to uh, uh, what what Je- what Jeff referenced with the temple. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you could misunderstand that too. They mm-hmm. didn't. But there's a more specific one. The I guess the first one, which would be Mark fourteen, uh, John two. Uh, no, sorry, that's the one that Jeff did. Mark eight thirty one, Matthew seventeen twenty two, and Luke nine twenty two. Uh, the quote is: "The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed." And after three days, rise again. Those were Jesus' words. Yeah, and he taught mm-hmm. all those to his disciples privately. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. was the pub, the, the one I used one. the public one, the public proclamation that he gave. Yeah. And it was after overturning the. Yeah. And that's right. found in Mark 14 and the Matthew 27. Right. So right. even if they didn't know his disciples, his closest followers, even if they didn't understand the Old Testament correctly, uh, they should have known because Jesus says it. Mm-hmm. They know it so well that Jesus says it that they all recorded it later in their books called yeah. the Gospels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, he did tell us, but they must have just thought it meant something else because, of course, they're still looking for that earthly reigning Messiah, uh, military Messiah type thing. But yeah, they missed it. Yeah, it, you're probably right. I probably would have missed it as well. I mean, it's not it's not something that would have just stood out. It's interesting, too. Here, here's an, another interesting thought when we're talking about the fact that they're say the, 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 the reason why they say they need to have a guard um, is that he says, um, this guy said, after three days I'll rise again. We need to put a guard there. Otherwise, the disciples may come, steal his body, and tell the people he's been raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. Well... We just sort of went over this like a couple, like a few weeks ago, Blake. But yeah. that seems to me that that that's a, that's why would they do that? What motive would they have had for doing that? Yeah, and it was, uh, I, and I'll honestly, it was just simply to deceive uh, the religious leaders and uh, mixed in with Pilate and all them. Just simply wanted to deceive, and something that I'm kind of curious about too, like. It says even here in Matthew 27 that uh, they're going to put a guard there till the third day. Uh, why didn't they do it like four or five days to prove that, like, to prove if they really wanted to deceive, like, really, really well, why didn't they leave one for, like, four or five days if they really wanted a valid, like, a valid story, you know? Yeah, well, he, well I guess maybe because he said after three days I'll yeah. rise again, so we need to keep someone there until, you know, that third in day. In case something yeah. happened on that third day, yeah. they wanted to have a guard there. Because that was a key to them, and in their mind, would be a key to their disciples. That on the third day, something's got to happen to get rid of this body. Right. And they're, in their mind, they're going to say, they're going to come stealing because they know he's dead. I mean, that was what, that's in the truth part. But, um, but yeah, part of the lie then. Would, you know, I think I think that when I, honestly, I think that when they say <laughs> that the last deception will be worse than the first, they thought the disciples would go and try and deceive people, right? And tell people, oh, he's he's risen from the dead. Um, or maybe they believe the disciples were going to come steal his body and actually were going to steal it and make up a story, and that would be a worse deception. It would be, um, and 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 they would be correct in all that, except for the fact that that um, they probably didn't anticipate that once they 
threatened these same disciples with you know with <laughs> you know with beatings and stuff that they would just they would just stop the stop it you know but well, that's, that's not what, that's know, not what happened right I mean, that's, that's why I said the second I guess the second line when you just brought up then was they misrepresented the disciples they're telling Pilate these guys are going to come and steal his body but we know and they know because their guard was there too when Jesus got arrested they all took off running. Yeah, they all yeah, scattered. They were cowards. Yeah. Okay? yeah, and then I brought up too that Peter was actually in the courtyard. So if really, this was going to happen, or if he wanted to go in and, and refute the the false testimony, he could have done that. Yeah, but he ran. Yeah, he denied, I mean, he cursed Jesus and denied him and left. Yeah. So and they're hiding. They're not at the crucifixion. They're nowhere to be found. Yeah. And so they're they're saying these guys are going to come steal the body. There's just no, and then they got to fight off a guard if they're going to do that. Yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. No, no, the, the, you're right. The it's really mis, misrepresenting the disciples. One because we think that they didn't even have any, this inkling that Jesus that they had forgotten that Jesus had even said these things. Yeah. Otherwise, they might have acted differently. Yeah, and that was the second yeah. point. First of all, they were cowards, and then secondly, John tells us that when he says all this. It just goes right over their heads. They have no idea what he's talking about. They they're thinking figuratively, or maybe because he need he did speak in parables, and then he would come. It'd be like me sometimes. Me and my wife are talking, and I either try to fill in her words, or I try to guess what she's saying, or I take what she's saying out of context when I would just should listen to her to to say what she's saying. Right. All right. Yeah. And so maybe in at that time they're all having these little discussions like, well, what do you think he means by that? And they're like trying to figure it all out without actually really listening to him. So obviously they didn't understand the three day. Right. Even though these people remember it and took it literally, they didn't take it literally. And no. They didn't even really think about it. Because it, then if if they so had they misrepresented a... to Pilate because they're they're standing before Pilate now saying we need you. They wanted a Roman guard. Right. But Pilate's like, and, and you know, there's debate about whether it was Roman or not. I think it was just the guard from the temple. But yeah. but even if it was Roman guards or maybe one Roman guard with them, um, they wanted a guard there, all right, in case something did happen. Right. That these guards would fight them off or there would, would be a witness there too at as to what actually happened on that third day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which kind of backfired on them too. Right, <laughs> that's, that's very true. So, so to 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 the skeptic Jeremiah who would say, "Oh well, you know, there's good reason to believe the disciples. Maybe you know, they even said it. They 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 the the religious leaders clearly expected the disciples would come and steal his body. So why do we believe for a second that Jesus rose from the dead? Why don't we believe that his disciples stole his body?" Like you know, yeah. the the religious leaders in your in your Bible, right? I can I can hear a skeptic say this. In your own Bible, the religious leaders say that this this would have been a motive for them to have done this. That they they expected them to do this. They you know, and so and if they expected them to do it, then it clearly there was reason for them to expect them to do it. So why 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 not why dismiss that as a possibility? Yeah, so traditionally, because I think most people believe that this was Roman guards, the the answer to that was these are Roman guards. 
I'm not gonna get a body stone. That, like if you if you're unable to fulfill your duty as a Roman guard, then you're killed for that. Right. Um, so they would have taken it seriously and guarded it well. Um, but if you see it as the temple guards, first off, you can, I think it's there because they say it could guard from your or your guard or whatever uh, there in Matthew 27. <clears throat> then you're kind of stuck with, well, we don't know how great these guards are. They're clearly, because uh, we see later in the text, right, that they're, they're bribed. Mm-hmm. To tell a lie, yeah. So the conspiracy is is literally, and, and not just that. The 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 writer of Matthew, which is Matthew, he he tells the whole story. He doesn't just leave it out, right? That these people were talking about it, but he 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 clarifies at the end that those people were bribed at the end to tell a lie, and that that lie was still being told even mm-hmm. years later, right? Up to twenty to thirty years later, that lie is still being told amongst the Jews. About what happened, right? Um, so the the guard was bribed to tell a lie that the disciples came in, um, but I just don't know. Again, because we we talked about it a few weeks ago, why would the disciples come and then they know they've stolen the body? They know the the body is producible. They mm-hmm. know where the body is. They know it hasn't risen from the dead. Why would they die for that lie? Yeah, in the future. Right. So yeah. we talked about that a few weeks ago. Right, because people this will die. People, people will die for lies, but most of I, people will die for lies that they believe is the truth. Well, that yeah, but but yeah. people don't die for a known lie unless they have a very good motive. Or at least eleven people in a conspiracy theory. One of them is going to say. You guys, right? <laughs> I'd rather be with my wife and kids. Y'all yeah. go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah, gonna, yeah. but it seems that gonna back to a man, none of them ever actually renege on the story. Otherwise, history would tell us that. Yes. Right. I think. I think. I think if if there was ever a time where they produced the body, or if there was ever a time where the disciples said, "Yeah, yeah we just made that stuff up," um, then history would have that, and people, historians, would be able to point that out and go, "Look, see." This disciple confessed, you know, yes. and and but they don't have anything like that. There's mm-hmm. nothing like that. And to be honest, if you look at all like the excavations and all this that goes on in Israel, biblical st- biblical scholars, Jewish scholars, they more than likely would have found a plausible body. Like they probably would have found the body already. So let's and, yeah. So yeah. let's talk about that, yeah. right? Let's let's talk about what if they were wrong. All right, what if Right now, the body of Jesus Christ is somewhere out there in a tomb. How do we know? How do we know that the tomb on Sunday was actually empty? Right, because that's what a skeptic would say. A skeptic would say, "Okay, yeah, sure, maybe they just believed that it was empty. They were duped into thinking it was empty. Um, all these things." But how do we know that it was empty? And I think part of how we know it was empty goes in the second half of your sermon, right? Well, not the second half, but the first, the, the, the second the last half. Part the, the last part of the first part. The, the guards. <laughs> right, the guards, right? And what Jeremiah just alluded to. Yeah. So the guards come back, and and so I went to that resurrection story in Matthew, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes through, and then when the angel shows up, they're petrified, they're afraid. Uh, the old King James says they're like dead men, so some people think maybe they fainted. I think they were conscious. I just think they were just... And they were just so much in shock. They were shock, just watching. Yeah. But then they go back and the Bible says they report everything. 
everything. Mm-hmm. Everything they saw and heard, they taught them. All right? Right. Um, so uh, to get back to whether it was a Roman guard or a Jewish guard, I was reading a lot about uh, um, punishment for Roman soldiers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And literally, a Roman soldier would, would have to pay the penalty uh, like if like when we saw Paul when when the earthquake happened, mm-hmm. the guard over that that jail was going to kill himself right. because he let them escape. Yep. So if it was Roman guards, they would have fought to the very end because they knew if they hightailed it and ran, they were going to get killed anyway. Mm-hmm. So you might as well fight and die. Mm-hmm. But also, I was reading too where. Um, Punishment was then also up to each tribune, so they could come up with their own form of punishment. And so what they would do, too, say if a bunch of guards ran away, they would draw lots, and if the lot was four and you had eight guards there, every fourth, like, two of those guys then would would die. The other guys would live, but they realized somebody died on our behalf because Mm -hmm. we were cowards, Mm -hmm. and then that would impel them then to fight the next time. Or the third thing could happen was they would lose... Uh, it's kind of like a dishonorable discharge. They would lose any benefit, any any money, any any land, anything that they would have been their property and things that they could have had. They would have lost all of that. Mm. So with them being so so then since they went and reported to the our chief priest, the chief priest would show that they probably were temple guards, mm-hmm. and it just says some of them did. So maybe they might have been a Roman soldier or two with them. Who knows? But they I don't think they were the ones who went to the Temple Guard. And the Temple Guard, even if they were, then if the Tribune was going to say, you're not going to get anything, then the money then would have took care of their retirement right. and everything there. So there was, there was a lot of a lot of research, a lot of reading. It was interesting and all, but to really de- delve into it in a sermon wasn't really the uh, right. time to do that. Right. Right. And we have a debate about whether it was Roman or uh, Temple Guards. It doesn't really matter because they were deputized for Rome, and so they knew that they would have to answer to Pilate anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they were gonna, they were gonna secure. But which it really doesn't make sense because to tell Pilate, yeah, these guys were cowards. Then if they were Roman guards, then Pilate would say, okay, well, go ahead and chop their heads off, you know, right. kill them. So, so they had. I, I really feel like they were temple guards, and the bribe of them were for these people, and because the Jews were the ones telling the story, and it spread among the Jews. Kind of makes more sense that it probably wasn't. So it just a because um, you've done more research on this recently yes. than I have. Then so is the is the seal? And when they talk about sealing the tomb, you know, I've I've heard all my life that the seal on the tomb is like the you know the the, the wax seal with the with the signet ring and all that kind of stuff. Is it is that are we supposed well, I, to understand it that way? Or, or yeah, or, I didn't I didn't really look. Uh, so was, yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is Rome involved in sealing the tomb. I think what happened when Jesus first uh, and why was, would they be? Yeah, I think right. And why yeah. would Rome be involved? In is sealing there another the tomb? example of Rome guarding a dead man's tomb? Right, right. right. Like I don't, I don't think so. You know? Well, there was there was one uh, in the research too. Apparently, uh, grave robbing all was was a uh, terrible thing that happened back then too. And there was a law, Roman law. That if a robber, a grave robber, uh, if you were robbing a grave and got caught, you were going to be killed. Okay. So there was a there was a, a law about that, 
and so the question then would be would be um would people want to go rob jesus's tomb you know mm-hmm. or or yeah i mean they're because obviously there's nothing in there, but if they thought he was the Messiah, yeah. maybe there'd be a bunch of valuables. And that went to another theory that was grave robbers and all. But if, even if it was grave robbers, they still would have to fight off a guard, whether it was temple guards or Roman guards. They're going to have weapons and all right, in order to do that. And the seal then, uh, if you broke that seal as a Roman, um, because the seal then was, was to show that that... that that, that Pilate has put his seal of approval that, that no, no one needs to break this seal and mess with this too. So you that, think that the Jewish and, leaders had enough influence on Pilate at this time that Pilate, Pilate, that they I convinced Pilate, Pilate to do that? Uh, well, that's basically what he did. He said, mm-hmm. you have a tomb, seal it as best as you can or make it secure as best as you know how. I think, so that's then saying... Roman Roman law has said if you bother this tomb, you're gonna die. Basically, that's what it's saying. Mm. That this was a um, an act of Congress, an act of the the governor to say, do not mess with this tomb. Right. So so it brought more force to if I was just a grave robber, and let's say me and Jeremiah and Blake decide, hey, we want to go rob this tomb of this Messiah because you mm. know there's probably a lot of stuff in there and all. And then we go in there and we see this seal and these guards. We're like, I don't know if this is going to be a good idea. I'm letting you two have it. We don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. We, like, we don't want to go like, in there right like, now. I'm from Surrey County, but I'm I ain't out. doing that. I'm out. Maybe about a week from now, let's go back. But right now, we don't want to mess with it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I can get that. Um, so It's weird, though. According to the text in Matthew 27, Mm-hmm. There's no one guarding the tomb until the next day. Yeah, there's a there's, there's a, a they whole wait a day. day. So if it's yeah. like a grave robber thing and the Romans are involved, why? Well, do we, I think the tomb wait a full evening. I think the day, tomb was night. but I think the tomb was sealed the first day. Uh, I have to go back and reread all the accounts. Yeah, I think they put a seal on it um, the first day, and then when they set the guard, I think they. I think they were resealing it to check and make sure everything was there. I mean, I didn't really look into it that much in the sermon uh, prep. But, um, yeah, they waited the whole day, which, you know, because it was the Sabbath, so they weren't going to go do anything because that's work. Well, that's another thing. Uh, with the If it's the temple guard, and I think they would just break the Sabbath. But now you have the temple guard working on the Sabbath. Yeah, so that's probably why they, they didn't. And Pilate, and that might be the reason why that they don't guard on that first day, the right? first night, yeah. right? The first yeah, night because it would it, it would have been yeah. into the Sabbath, right? right. Sabbath, Sabbath. Or well, they the Sabbath would have started till six a.m. Or maybe right. maybe Pilate had a couple of guys there that first night. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Here's a question: yeah. If it was the um, the temple guards, would Pilate have been able to get them in trouble? Yeah, yeah. he's the governor. Okay, he I didn't get know. You, if he was your governor, he would get you in trouble. Right. Yeah, I mean, any yeah. authority would be under Pilate authority, yes. basically. Yeah. In, that's why I was in, wondering. In Jerusalem. See, they couldn't even have Jesus killed unless Pilate said, yeah, he committed a capital offense. Right. right. Okay. Okay, so get, moving into the, the, the story then they, that, that Matthew includes, and, and only Matthew includes this. Yes. So let's be clear on this. The, the story then is that, uh, that we get in Matthew 28, um, 11 through 15. It says, as they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported, like you said, to the chief priest 
everything that had happened. And after the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. And if this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. So governor being Pilate, I reckon, right? Is it the, the, the way we understand yes. that? So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And the story has been spread among Jewish people to this day. Now, I mentioned this. You didn't mention this in the sermon for good reason. But I mentioned this in, in passing to you guys. Um, some skeptics want to say, because the only person who mentions this is, is Matthew and his gospel. None of the other gospel writers mention it in their gospel. Only Matthew mentions it. And some people want to say, well, Matthew concocted this story. He wrote this in there to uh, sort of combat the idea that the disciples had stole the body. So that th this didn't actually happen. They weren't actually bribed. But the reason why that, that, that is interesting is one, there, we don't have any evidence to believe that Matthew concocted it. There's no real strong evidence to that degree. But even if he did, even if he did make the story up, what the, the inclusion of this story, the inclusion of this narrative, let's put it that way, because I don't want people to think that it's just a story. Hmm. But the inclusion of this narrative that he also claims, by the way, was being was being still passed around by... And then by, I get a quote from Justin Martyr and... Uh, right, Tropas. they're still talking about yeah, it. Yeah, that like was in the, the second century. That they're still having debates. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like a hundred years later, they're yes. still talking about this particular story. But the inclusion of this narrative then means that the tomb was empty. Yeah. So to go back to what I was saying earlier, how do we know that the the body yeah, it was? Presu it presupposes an it empty presupposes tomb an empty tomb. Yes. And if he didn't make it up, and again, we don't think we have any reason to. It also confirms an empty tomb. So either way you go with this. The fact that Matthew includes this story at all is really good evidence yeah. for an empty tomb. He, otherwise, he has—he really has no motive to include it. Like he doesn't have any motive at all to include it. It, it also involves both the Romans and the, the Romans attesting to an empty tomb, uh, and the and the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders would be attesting to an empty yeah, tomb. Yeah, because they're standing before Pilate. Yeah, you know, and they're saying we're going to believe this. This tomb's going to be empty. So you would think that if if it wasn't empty, that the authorities would have just been able to produce the body. You know, I, I go back to that movie. What was that movie? Was it Risen? Risen that we went and saw. Yes. And 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 uh, where they the, the it's all about a it's a fic, fictional account, of course, historical fictional account about this Roman soldier who's tasked with finding the body of Jesus. Yeah, he's the CSI guy. Right, right. <laughs> it's really awesome, actually. Yeah, it, it, it really takes, is. It takes, it takes like a forensics approach to, like if he's like a detective soldier guy, and uh, but he, you know he, he he goes he starts with the with the mass burial the mass burial looking for the body looking for the body of Jesus, which is probably what they would have done because at this point, especially as the disciples start getting really emboldened here, they're gonna want to produce a body, and they never do, and the fact that they don't is is good reason to believe that. Um, that the tomb was indeed empty. And the women, going back to what you said, Jeremiah, in your in your message, uh, the women um, say that the tomb's empty too, right? And uh, they're, they're the ones who first attest to the empty tomb. And I think even the men don't believe them. And they right. And the and if you'll remember, the women too. What is it? The women say that the or maybe it's Mary that says that they've moved my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. Right, which is yeah. And so that was one of the other theories that. Maybe Jesus was buried 
you have the wrong tomb. They went to the wrong tomb. Mm-hmm. Which then, why would they be guards guarding the wrong tomb? Uh, or Joseph decided, you know what? Uh, I'm going to move him. I, I, I shouldn't have given him my best tomb. I'm going to move him somewhere else. Right. And so he moves him to another tomb, and that's why it's empty. Or the grave robbers come in and steal it before they have the guards set. So there's all these theories that are out there. The grave robbers don't steal bodies. Yeah, I mean, why would you want the body? I mean, you would have got you would got whatever was in there. So, so there's all these theories, you know, and even Ehrman saying that you know he would believe the stolen body is more uh, makes more sense to him than the resurrection because he's trying to. Not have a supernatural, a supernatural event. explanation. Yes, but but so but what again? If that's okay, say you you buy the stolen body thing, but the problem with that the problem with that explanation is, well, then you got to build a house of cards like these people did. They built a house of cards on their story. Right. This happened. This happened. This happened. This happened because this 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 and this. Yeah. So then you got to go back paddle then and go. All right, so then you got to go from all the way from the book of Acts on the way back and like back paddle, back paddle on all these um, stories then to disprove the story that they're saying, which they anticipated he's risen. You know, no, he's not risen. They stole the body. Mm-hmm. No, the the body wasn't stolen. How do you know? Well, these guards were there. You mm-hmm. know, so so it's like every- well, and it goes back. And really, the whole thing is is that. Okay, let's say you go with the stolen body theory, right? But then the but then what? But then how, but, right. If you go with the stolen body theory, how do you explain some of these other things that we've established as historical fact? Yeah. yeah. Right? So that's where we want to move with our discussion, right? Right. Because yes. I think some of these critical scholars, they they give a decent answer for each individual one. Right. But I when imagine together, can, if, can, if Bart Ehrman tried to take these seven and create his own narrative, could you imagine him trying to say he swooned, they hallucinated, uh, but his body was also stolen? Well, those are all contradictory right. things. Right. That you can't. So you have to have one singular explanation. And the problem is, is none of those singular explanations can account for all the facts. For all seven. For all seven facts we've established. And that's yes. the thing. You could say, okay, the, the tomb was empty because the body was stolen. Okay, fine, sure. I, I, I don't think that's what happened, that's, but okay. Yeah, that's plausible. Just look at one of them. Let's say that's plausible. Yeah. But that doesn't explain, then, the transformation of the disciples. It just doesn't. No. Or, or the disciples' willingness to die for a known lie. It doesn't explain Paul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus. The conversion of no, Saul. No, because Saul would have knew. Because he's or, a Jew or, or, and he's connected. He would have known the real truth of the story. Yeah. Right. It doesn't explain these other things that, that we, we see. And it's clear that the that the disciples, I mean, the, the fact that you established, Jeremiah, which is that the disciples had real experiences that they believed were with the risen Jesus. Okay. Well, if they stole his body, then how do they have... How do they have these real experiences? Like, what kind of real experiences are you going to have that you, I mean, you, you want to go with the hallucination theory? Well, you're the one who stole his body. You know he's not, you know, yeah. you know he's not risen. That is not present. You can still see him. Yeah. The, the dead him. Right. You carried his body out of there. You know he's dead. Yeah. So, like, it's not like you could. So, if, if you're going to say that's true, 
then you 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 can't use that explanation. Does well, that then make the sense? guards would have fought them off. See, well, the guards, yeah, they would have fall off a grave robber or a stealer, but about an angel rolling a stone away. Right, I'm not going to fight an angel. Right, there's <laughs> no way. And vice versa. Yeah. So the hallucination theory, which we all agree is is bunk too, but the hallucination theory. Doesn't account for like an empty tomb. It doesn't account for. Well, there's no tomb, right? Right. There's no tomb at all. Or well, like swoon, swoon. He no, didn't. There was a tomb. No, the, the swoon theory. Yeah, right. Swoon right. as he came back to life. The, the he swoon theory. A stone away, and at the same time too, then if I'm a guard, and that stone rolls away, and a half dead man comes walking out, and I've got a sword in my hand, he's going to be dead. All right. Yeah. I saw. <laughs> so I saw an interview with Dr. Habermas. I, I watched and. He asked, somebody asked him this question. They said, what is the strongest natural explanation of, of the resurrection? The uh, strongest alternate explanation of the resurrection that, that you think is out there right now? He said, if you had asked me that question several years ago, I, I, I would have known the answer to give you. He said, but the truth is, is that all of these natural explanations have been, have been um, uh, rejected. Or, or that they're just not they're by, by critical scholars no critical scholar is endorsing any of these any of these any of these natural explanations they don't know yeah and they're not willing to admit a supernatural explanation like you know um, because because of a mir- you know because because they're prejudicing its miracles but uh, um, but they don't have an explanation that's the problem right that, that none of them, None of them have a plausible explanation that they're going with anymore. All these natural explanations that they've had in the past, most of those have all been have all been jettisoned. They, yeah, they just they don't. Yeah. yeah. And it's been like two thousand years, and outside of the outside of Jesus had a bodily resurrection, there's no other coherent story that anybody's been able to come up with in two thousand years. No, I mean there's there's like I said, there's theories, right? But right. there's no there's no coherent narrative that people are willing to willing to full on endorse. Right. If you're going to look, if you're gonna knock the legs out from under Christianity, the way you do it is you disprove the resurrection. Yes. If you show me the resurrection didn't happen, I'm probably gonna I, I I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know how much trust I would have in, in, in Christianity as you know as right. as a as a faith as as somewhere to put my faith. But the problem is, is that you've got a lot of legwork to do, and and nobody's done it convincingly. Otherwise, churches would be shut down. And, I mean, you know? and it's kind of interesting too. That it's the very people that uh, that we know of as as good believers and strong believers now were actually people that were trained in journalism and yeah. uh, for, forensics and hist- historic uh, criticism and things like that. And some of those people actually. Went out to do that to disprove right. it, yeah. and each and every time, these the majority of these people that we know of have come back saying, oh, "I can't say it's not true." Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Now yeah. there still are people out there that have done the research and all that still can't get past it, and it's kind of like what I was saying about one the one critic saying, you know, if this if these guards came back and actually told these people what actually really happened, then the guards would have been Christians mm-hmm. and these religious leaders would have been Christians. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I was writing a story, yeah, that would have been, that would have been, that would have been the slam dunk. That would have yeah. been like, that would have been the, 
you know, spiking the ball in the in the touchdown. Kind right. Of but because it, it didn't happen actually makes it even stronger that it happened because even today people, when, when they are confronted with the evidence, say, no, nah, I still don't want to be a believer. I remember, so. I, I remember that movie, Risen. Uh, the, the guard, if you'll, if you'll recall, the, they, 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 they portray that guard uh, in, a, in like a Roman bar, and he's getting, he's getting yes. drunk because yes. he just can't handle what, the, what he's experienced, and he, he's, he's struggling with trying to figure it out. And you can see that. I'm, I'm, I, the Bible doesn't support that. You know, right, don't, right, don't, right. That story's not well, in the Bible. Well, that's where he met but, the, the guy, one of the guards that got bribed, wasn't it? That yeah, that's, that's where he meets yes. the guard who gets bribed. But get, when he finds him, he's, he's, he's drunk off his yeah. feet, you know. And uh, because he's... he's Yeah, he, it's got post-traumatic stress. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he's got PTSD. He's got this in his mind what happened, but he's been bribed to tell the lie. Right, and he doesn't want to admit to what happened yes. either, right? Because... And, and that's the other thing, and I've mentioned this before, what, what we're talking about here with the resurrected Jesus and the things that the, that the disciples will soon proclaim or will proclaim soon after these events, which are all, <laughs> none of them were, were, were in line with Judaism, you know, Second Temple Judaism, or, you know, they, they weren't in line with that. They weren't in line with Roman teaching. They were something totally new. I mean, it was these Jewish people were endorsing a totally new faith that that the, that they were uh, they were being persecuted for. Yes, and so it just man, I can't I, as hard as I could try. I don't. I can't come up with another explanation for what happened. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. The only the only reason you dismiss the resurrection outright is if you dismiss miracles. And if you dismiss miracles, really the only reason you're dismissing miracles is because you don't believe there's God. You have to have presupposition yes. right. that there is no God. Right. And and at that point, you know, I guess, okay, if there's no God, then there's no reason to even believe in resurrection to begin with. But you must spend your whole life trying to disprove it. Yeah, yeah. I, if there's no God, I mean, why even bother with us? Right. Just let us just do our thing and like, yeah, those yeah. people believe in God. Yep. You know, it's just kind of crazy. But here's the thing, right? If all that we've said in this podcast and in this sermon series is correct, and that Jesus legitimately rose from the dead, he is in history the only the only person to make a divine claim and rise from the dead. He stands out unique in that way. And if that's the case, if he really did rise from the dead and he's and he's divine, then we need to be very careful to listen to what this man had to say. Yes. And we need to be very careful how we how we handle um, the the facts that we've been just discussing because if he is indeed divine and he rose from the dead, then then everything he had to say about about uh, you know about the remission of sin and salvation coming through him and that he's the only way to the Father, that's all true. It validates his claims. And that means that you got to do something with him, right? Um, you can't just you can't just uh, put duck your head in the sand and say, well, I'm not going to touch this. So hopefully those of you who are listening to this, you've done something with that information. And if you have done something with that information, you've um, trusted Jesus um, as your Savior and you've put your faith in him, believing in, in, in his resurrection, confessing him as the Lord of your life, 
um, then, then you're a Christian. And go and tell other people the same news. They need to hear it. Like, if this was, if this happened today, man, if this happened today, it would be all over CNN. It'd be all over, the, you know, Twitter. Um, I, I'll encourage you guys, um, you all in the room and, and those of you who are listening, there's a great book, and I can't remember by the net guy's name who wrote it. I think it's Paul something or another. Um, and it's called A Skeleton in God's Closet. And it's a, it's a work of fiction but what it what it is is a, a guy claims to be a messiah and claims to rise from the dead. This is, happens in like in a modern day context. But what it shows is there for a while he's able to dupe a lot of people, but eventually it comes out what's actually happened. And the point that the book's trying to make is if this was fake, we would know by now. We would know by now. It's not it's not it's it's impossible to hide. You can't Meyer. hide it. Huh? It's by Paul Meyer. Paul Meyer, thank you. And there's actually uh, there's there's a sequel to it too. So uh, check that book out. It's pretty cool. It's a skeleton in God's closet. I, re- I, I recommend that one. All right. Any final words on uh, fact checking the resurrection, fellas? It's been fun. I've enjoyed. Yeah, it. I really enjoyed the I series. It. I thought Loved we all it. did a great job with the sections we had, and uh, it was good to go looking at scripture from. An angle that you normally don't look at. Yeah. Because normally you're looking at like trying to figure out what kind of a message of encouragement can I give my people this week, you know, using scriptures and all, but to come in from a different angle of, of um, you know, looking at the scriptures from a different point of view, from a more apologetic point of view. Yeah. yeah. Really kind of brought it to light in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, when it comes to our response, you know, like you said, it's either nothing or it's radical. Right. It's either there's no God or it's radical. It's a radical, true story, and that means our lives should be radically transformed. Yeah, I agree. There's no, something like this should, a Christian should never be apathetic towards or, you know, be lukewarm about. I mean, this is, this deserves the most radical part of our lives. Mm. to go out and share and live like there's hope. Yeah, absolutely. Jay, you got anything? No, nothing to add. It was, it was fun. It was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in and being a part of all this with us. Um, I, are you going to – you're preaching on your blog this coming Sunday, right? Is it yeah, the Together. Being Together? Yeah, Together. Cool. So we'll be talking about togetherness uh, – uh, next time that uh, we get together, that'll be Monday. So we'll be back on Monday for regular Monday main point or regular time. But until then, have a great rest of your week. Hope to see you uh, on Sunday. Or if you're not here at Rose's Sharon, go and worship the risen Lord somewhere else. But go and worship him because he's risen and uh, he's worthy of our praise. All right. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time. So long.